So welcome to church. If you are a first-time visitor, it's great to have you here. Um, after the service, we've got um, some people who will uh, meet up with you and let you know a bit more about the church and stuff like that. But um, it's really great to have you here. And I am finishing off Craig's series that he was doing. So he's been doing this series called Making Change. So this is the last one in that series. So I do want to apologize if it's a bit, it's really hard to preach off somebody else's notes, but I'm going to do my best, all right? So yeah, hopefully it'll work out. So the first week we talked about less is more. And in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6, it says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. So basically what that scripture was talking about is it's better to have a little and have peace in your life than to have a lot and be stressed. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you want the bigger car, you want the $25,000 car, so you have to pay the $25,000 weekly repayments. You know what I mean? So when you have that level, when you're living at that level of more, you actually have a lot less that you've got to give and a lot less that you can do. So our world has taught us to believe that we need bigger things, bigger car, bigger house, and then you have a better life. So one of the, there were three things that we talked about briefly in that, ser- in that week about how to live a less is more life. Because if you have less, you will actually have more in your life. Does that make sense? You remember that? So the first thing he said is we have to cut back. So on some of our consumption... So we, we realized that a lot of us buy things for the sake of buying things and not because it's a need. Craig shared about how when he went to Fiji, how at first he pitied them for having so little and then he realized how much richer they were compared to himself. So if we have less stuff, we have less responsibility to support that stuff and we actually have more time. More time for our loved ones, more time for our friends, more time just for the things that we enjoy and ultimately more time for God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Second thing he said is we have to clear out. So we have to declutter our lives. And I thought at first when he shared this, it was a little bit odd. I was like, how can decluttering your life mean that you can declutter your mind? But I realized something. When God's speaking to me about something and I'm supposed, and he wants me to do something and I don't want to do it. You ever have those moments when God's saying, do this, and you go, I'm not listening. Am I the only one that does that? Oh, you guys are way better than me then. So you have this moment where you get up and you're like, and I feel like God says to me, Trent, I want you to sort this issue in your life, and I don't want to do it. Do you know what I do? I sort out the junk drawer in the, in the um, lounge. It's weird. Like, I know that if I, and then I sort out, like, the kids' wardrobes. So if I start doing that, it's usually a sign that God wants me to declutter my mind. He wants me to declutter something else that's going on in my life. So we need to declutter things because it brings clarity to us. The third thing, of course, we talked about is paying off. We've got to pay off our debt. If we eliminate our debt, we are no longer tied to that debt. If you eliminate your debt, you suddenly have freedom. When we sold our house that we had in Manurewa, we made a decision. We had a choice. We could either completely clear all our debt, um, and we wouldn't have enough left over to buy a new house, or we could buy a new house and keep all our debt. We decided to completely clear off all the debt. It was the most freeing moment of my life, I swear. It was like, it was unbelievable how much that debt just sits in the back of your head and it just weighs you down. So pay off that debt because you don't want to be enslaved to somebody else. The second week we talked about stress is bad. Now, I have a little issue with this. 
until he clarified for me that he was talking about financial stress because I'm a type of person who performs better under stress. If I have a high stressful things going on, the creativity that I can bring out is far superior to what I do if, if there's no stress going on. But financial stress is completely different. Financial stress means you are weighed down, means that you are constantly thinking about it. In Proverbs 22 verse 7 it says, the rich lorded over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. I actually like the way the message puts it. And the message says it this way. It says, the poor are always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and don't put yourself under their power. I think that's actually true. If you, are, if you owe money, if you owe money to GE or to the Visa card or whatever, if they say to you, we're increasing our, our interest rate, you have no choice but to bow down to that. If they come to you and they say, actually, we've decided to recall your debt, they, they can do that. You have no, no way to stop that from happening. So you become a slave to whoever you owe money to. And we talked about um, how no one has ever said how your debt has blessed yourself or your family. Right? Your debt doesn't bless anybody except for the person you owe the money to. There are three prayers that we talked about that you need to pray if you want to get out of debt. The first one is, God, give me self-control. And the reason why we pray that is because inside of each one of us is a two-year-old who wants. Yeah? I want, and I want now. I don't want to wait next week. I don't want to wait later on. I want, and I want it now. Funnily enough, you know, at 42 years of age, I still want, and I want it now. You know? So we need to pray, God, give me self-control. Because remember, our value is not in the abundance of our possessions. I don't care how nice your house is or how big your car is. I don't care what food you serve me if I come for lunch. What I care about is the quality of our time together and our conversation. Remember, you are what is valuable, not what you have. Second thing is, is uh, God, give me understanding is what we need to pray for. God, give me understanding when it comes to your finances. Hosea says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know, if you do not understand, if you don't understand the whole way compound interest works or interest that they're going to charge you and then you've got the fees on top of that, you're going to end up in a mess that you had no understanding of. Craig talked about how you buy a car and then you end up by paying twice that value back. Whenever you're going to make a financial decision, you should be asking yourself, how much is this really going to cost me? Because you know when they say, you know, it's only $181 a week, but they're gonna, you're going to pay them that $181 for the next 17 years of your life? That adds up. The third prayer was, God, give me a plan. You know what? You do need a plan. Because honestly, you can wander into debt accidentally, but you actually can't wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt because you made a few mistakes, but you can't stumble your way back out of debt. And you can mistake your way into debt, but you can't mistake your way out. You've got to have a plan. So you need to pray, God, give me a plan. Once you do that, you'll actually be able to get out of debt. In week three, he talked about giving is good. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, This is my last gift to you, this example of a way of life, a life of hard work, a life of helping the weak, a life that echoes every day those words of Jesus our King, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When you give, you are a blessing. Do you know that? When you give, you are a blessing. But not only that, when you give, you will be blessed. Does that make sense? Yeah? So how do we 
become a blessing that is blessed. And Craig talked about two things that we need to do. First of all, we're going to trust God with the tithe. So I don't want to belabor that point because you heard it all last week. But we're going to trust God. We're going to give him the 10% because in actual fact, that's what it's about. That giving God that 10% is saying, do I trust you or do I not? If you don't do it, chances are you probably have a slight trust issue and you need to work on that. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to be intentional and we're going to plan our generosity. But if you're tied up in debt, it's very hard to plan generosity. We can have impromptu things that we give to that come along, like the Christmas bash was a bit impromptu, so some of us just sort of gave as, as the bucket came by. But then there are other things that you need to plan to be generous about. And by that I mean like, say, for example, if the Fiji missions trip is coming up next year, and you think to yourself, I'm not going to go on the trip, but I actually want to give you know, say $300 to the mission strip. So how am I going to do that between now and then? That's how you plan your generosity. Does that make sense? Yeah? All right, so that leads us up to this week. And today, the fourth thing is, tomorrow matters. Nice and short, tomorrow matters. Do you guys believe that? Yeah, you believe that tomorrow matters? Are you sure you believe that tomorrow matters? Yeah? I think, I think we kind of believe that tomorrow matters. Like, we have some great movies that talk about, you know, about the tomorrow, about the, the eternity, about planning for the future. And, and as I was kind of thinking this through yesterday, I kept coming up with these movie um, quotes, which, if you're in my family, works, but if you're not, it's kind of a bit like, what? So we just kind of randomly throw out movie quotes. So I was thinking about, you know, out of Gladiator, and you've got, and he says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. I love that quote. Like, you know, you can just throw that out at parties and people just think you're so wise. And it's just like, it's one of those things. And then if you're not into that sort of action flicks, but you like musicals, you've got Annie's Tomorrow. I was planning to sing it and then I thought, oh, no. <laughs> but so we have this idea that we believe that tomorrow matters. But you know what? This world teaches us about the now. It doesn't teach us about the tomorrow. It teaches us about the now. We are spoiled by the now. Do you know what I mean by the now? It's the having it right now. I am especially worried for our emerging generation because they have always lived in the now. Their generation has had things rapidly changing through technology and the instant society that they actually don't know about the tomorrow. The concept of, of waiting, of being patient for something is totally alien to them because the world they've grown up in has not taught them that. I was watching a TED talk the other day on, on my um, laptop and in it they said, in the last six months, technology and information has doubled since, it, since they started recording it since the beginning of, of the, the web. That's huge, in six months time, all of it has doubled. They predict that it will just keep doubling every six months, the amount of knowledge that we have available. When I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. So when I was a kid, if you wanted to make a bomb, you actually had to know what you were doing. You had to be a scientist. Today, any 12-year-old can just hop online and download how to do this. You've got to understand that the now is so vitally important to them. And I'm not knocking the now. I kind of like the now. You see, if you're a good friend of mine and I send you a text, I expect to see those bubbles that you're answering me in seconds. Honestly, I do. If you're a good friend and you're not giving me those bubbles, I'm thinking and redoing our friendship. What's going on? What are you doing that's more important than me contacting you with a random text about nothing? I mean, come on. You know what I mean? The other thing that I love about the now is I like to binge watch TV. 
I love Netflix and Plex. I download whole series, uh, whole seasons, and, and I'll just watch. I don't want to wait. Who wants to wait? I want to watch show here. I'm going to wait a week to watch another hour. I don't think so. That'll be like reading a chapter of a book and then waiting the other, next week to read the next chapter. I'm not going to do that. So I love the fact that I can go onto Netflix and I can go, I mean, this is how bad it is. I watched three seasons of Suits in two and a half weeks. Admittedly, I didn't sleep, but you know, it was, you know what I mean? Great show if you ever want to watch it. But I love to binge watch TV. I don't want to wait. The other thing that I love about the now is I love Amazon. And I love Apple. Do you know why? Because of iBooks and Kindle. I, I don't have to wait to go and buy a book. I just have to click this button, and the book's right there. Do you know how amazing that is? I remember when Craig and I, it was before we had the kids, and I had this series of books that I was reading, and it was Easter. And that particular Easter, the weather was crap. It was pouring, and it was just horrendous. And, we were, and whatever plans we had, we decided we weren't doing, right? So I managed, because it was raining on, the, on Good Friday, I had read the first three books. Well, that was okay. And I finished the fourth one on the Saturday, but by Saturday night, I'd finished. And I needed to get the next one. And I was thinking to myself, how am I going to get this book? Because the shops are closed on Sunday. Right? So I'm, I'm stressing because I really wanted to read this book. I knew most of Sunday was going to be tied up with church anyway, but, yeah, but that was beside the point. I had these few hours and I was going to read this book. And so I finally worked out a shop where I could buy that book that would be open at Easter. So after church on Sunday, I made Craig drive me to the airport. <laughs> and I bought the book and, and went home and, you know, and he's like, this is ridiculous. We're going to the airport to buy you a book. But that doesn't happen anymore. Because of the wonders of technology and the wonders of the now, I can read off my iBooks I, I, I or I could read off my Kindle instantly. So the now can be a good thing. Unfortunately, though, it does mean I now have to wait and the authors are not writing as fast as I read. This is a problem. So it's so difficult in this world and the way that the world tells us about the oncoming of tomorrow, about the importance of tomorrow, about the importance of our future. You see, we see this a lot in our lives. We see this in how our relationships, we actually don't value our relationships enough to put in the effort that we need to for the tomorrow. We see it in our health and how we either treat our bodies or in my case, don't treat our bodies and the importance of that longevity and what that looks like. You see, it didn't matter that I used to binge out on McDonald's or whatever 20 years ago. kind of matters now. didn't think of that back then, did I? You know what I mean? So the tomorrow matters, and we see how we don't think that it does. It is especially noticeable in our mindsets. If we, if, uh, I had a look at the, um, the census survey, the 2014 census survey in New Zealand, said that 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck. That's paycheck to paycheck. That means that if there are four people in your row, three of them are living paycheck to paycheck. That's actually not a good way to live. It means that if one of them lost their job, chances are they're not going to be able to make their rent payments in the next month. See, when we live without thinking about the tomorrow, it can be hard. Now, I, wanna, I just want to say, if you, for some of us, that's a miracle that we make it paycheck to paycheck. I remember those days when Craig and I were newly married and we had too much month left over at the end of our money. You know, there was not enough money, we didn't quite shoot it. I remember the days of eating scones for a week because all we had left over was flour and cheese. I remember once getting up and, 
And Craig goes, we've got three days until I get paid. And all we had was frozen vegetables in the freezer. I remember eating frozen vegetables for, for dinner. We had, we're down on one meal. We just ate frozen vegetables. So I remember those days, and I do not want anyone here to actually think that I'm, I'm trying to put a negative spin on it or trying to make you feel bad because you know what? Sometimes it's an accomplishment just to make it paycheck to paycheck. But there are some who are living like that because you have overwhelmed yourself with debt, because you have brought into Harvey Norman's 36-month deferred payment, interest-free, and you think to yourself, yep, I'm going to you know, pay it off in the interest-free period, but you don't. You don't start until they actually ring you and say we want their money. Do you know what it is? They have just brought your future. They have just brought your tomorrow. They have now tied you up for the next three years, and then it's not going to start for another two. It's really sad that we buy into this, but it's the mindset that we've been brought up with is that if you can't, you know, don't buy it now, but pay later. If we believe that tomorrow matters, we actually need to examine our today. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Now, I grew up with a mom who, who her philosophy was, you need to spend it before some bugger steals it from you. So when you grow up with that mindset, you, that, that's how you live. Like, there was no such thing as getting to the end of the, the week and saying, oh my gosh, we've got $40 left. It wasn't like, let's save that. It was, we've got $40 left, let's spend it. <laughs> so I get that it's a mindset that we need to shift from. You see, a fool spends whatever he gets. If you're not thinking about tomorrow and you're spending everything you got, you're being foolish. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So what does the ant know? Anyone? Winter's coming. What does the ant do? She gathers her food in the summer. So the ant knows that tomorrow matters. And we need to be like that. We need to start thinking about the tomorrow. What are we doing for tomorrow? Now, I'm not a financial guru in any way, shape, or form. It's only been the last few years that Craig and I have managed to get our act together around finances. He shared about that earlier um, in the series. But there are two ways I know that you can make money. One is people making money. And you know what? I thank God every day for my job. I thank God that he's given me skills and abilities um, that can enable me to actually work and, and provide an income for my family. So if, you, if that's what you've got, you need to pray. Thank God for that. Even if you hate your job, even if you don't like what you're doing, you start thanking God for the job that you got. Eventually, hopefully, his blessing and provision will come upon you and you'll be able to get a better job or start doing something you like. The second way that you can make money is you have money making money. Now, like I said, I don't know anything about investing money. I, 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 you know, you need to find someone to talk to you guys about that if that's your thing. If you've got a little bit less dig aside, talk to somebody smart. Talk to somebody wise. Talk to somebody who's an investment and actually invest it. But the one thing I will say is if you haven't started yet, you, and it, you, what you need to do is at least start with KiwiSaver. I'm serious. I only started KiwiSaver a couple of years ago, and it's kind of nice to watch that. I mean, it only increases by little bits, but it's a good thing, and I know that at least I'm starting towards saving for my tomorrow. So like I said, I'm not a financial guru, so I didn't want to try and actually speak to that whole thing. But I do know what the Word of God says. And he says this. He says to tithe. 
and to tithe your 10%. He says to save your 10%. That's the other thing the Bible says, start saving. Now, if you're in a position where you've got all this debt, just save a couple of bucks a week, $2 a week in an account that you can't touch. Just stick it in there. Eventually, it will grow. And you just need to start. But like I said, I'm not a financial guru, so I don't want to go too deep into that because I don't want to give you some advice and be completely wrong and then have you go, that trend, she's just... We don't want to go there. But uh, what I did really want to do is I want to take a moment and I wanted to talk to you about how these four things that we've talked about, that the less is more, the stress is bad, the going is good, oh, giving is good, and that tomorrow matters. These four things are not just about your finances. You see, the principles in God's word are multifaceted. What that means is that his principles aren't just for one thing. His principles aren't to be applied to the obvious that you can see in the scripture. There is a truth with God and then there's a deeper truth. And it talks in the Bible about us going um, from, uh, deeper to deeper and being able to see things beyond what is there. So if you just take these four principles and you just think they're about, about your finances, then you're missing out. You need to take these four principles and you need to apply them to your life spiritually about everything. You see, less is more is actually about making room in your life for Jesus. It's about creating space for him. It's about moving things around, moving your priorities around, maybe even changing some of them, letting go of something so that you actually have room for Jesus. Because if you don't have room for Jesus, then what's the point? Why are you even bothering to be here? It's not enough to actually just come once a, once a month and sit in church. If that's the case, then I'm a regular gym attender. If I go once a month, it means I go regularly. I hear it all the time. People say to me, oh, yeah, I go to church regularly. How often do you go? Oh, once a month. That's not regular. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to cover it up and be nice and be politically correct for you. It's not good enough. You have to make room for him. You seem to forget that when you got saved, it wasn't about you it was about him and your life is no longer your own you have been brought with a price he prayed a very high price for you and now you belong to him i always think about it like this when you volunteer for the army they own you they tell you when to eat when to sleep what to wear what to do it's the same thing when you become a christian you become his and it's all about what he says you have to do and how he says you need to live your life and not about how you want to live it the second thing is stress is bad. You see, when we're indebted to something or someone else, we are unable to do what God requires of us. God may have had this plan that he needed you to fulfill and he needed you to, to activate your faith. And when he gets you to activate your faith, he usually starts with your finances because he needs to know, can I trust you with this multi-million dollar idea that he has? Well, I need to see if I can trust you with the money. And so what happens is, is you usually hit a roadblock when it comes to your faith, or when it comes to your finances. If you can overcome that, then you'll find that God will pour out more. He has that story in Matthew 25, I think it is, about the talents. And he says to the, because one guy five, one guy three, and one guy one. And what, what Jesus says to them is, I'm going to go away, and when I come back, we'll see what happens. So the one guy who had the five, he took the five talents, and he went and invested those five talents. And he made another five, so he ended up with ten talents. The guy with three talents, he went and invested as well, and he came back, he got another three talents, so he comes back, and he's got six talents. And the guy who was given one talent, he went and buried it in the ground. And then when the master comes back, he's just got the one. So the three guys are standing before, before the master, and the master says to them, what did you do with what I gave you? 
And the one guy, I, I, I invested, I've now got 10. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. The next guy comes along, he goes, well, you gave me three, I invested, I've now got six. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He comes to the last guy and he says to him, what did you do with the one talent? And do you know what he says? Well, I knew you were a man who reaped where you hadn't sown and, and you were a hard master and you were this and you were that. And so I was scared. So I just stuck it in the ground. But here it is, I've got to, to give back to you. And what was he told? You wicked and lazy servant. And what he took away, that one, and gave it to the guy who had 10. Now we think that this is about money, but it's not. It's also about the giftings and the callings and the plans that God has got for your life. There are so many people, I see them in church all the time, and you can see the call of God all over their life, and instead of them following what God wants to do, they stick it in the ground and they bury it. And then, you, are you going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or are you going to hear, what did you do? You stuck it in the ground? You know, God never gives you your talents just to benefit yourself. It's to benefit everybody else. We need to remember that. Giving is good. We need to give of our time, our care, our love, and our relationship. The thing that most people forget is church is a building. It's about family. It's about relationship. Our God is a relational God. He wants to know you. He doesn't care about this building. He couldn't care less if it was here or if it was a tent. What he cares about is you. And he cares about your heart and where you're at. And when we give to one another in this environment, he cares about that. He comes and he blesses that. He cares that Anna's pregnant. She's having a baby. Are we supporting her? Are we loving on her? Are we giving her all the help she needs? Or are we just here about ourselves? What about the, the solo mom who's struggling with her kids in Christ, but she's still trying to turn up to church because she believes that, you know, you train up your child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. So she's sitting in there, not in the service because he's too young to stay in there by himself. How do we give? How do we support? What's our relationship with them like? It's always about that. So the giving's not just about giving of your money. It's about giving of yourself. You see, God loves each and every person, not the same. I, I do not believe God does not love you the same as he loves me. Do you know why? Because I'm not you. He loves you uniquely according to your needs and according to your style of love that you need to receive and according to the, to the style of personality that you have because what works for me doesn't necessarily work for somebody else. So God loves you uniquely as you are. And you've got to learn to love others the same way. Tomorrow matters. How you live your life today determines the depth of your relationship with him tomorrow. And that is the bottom line. How you live your life, the things that you set in your life today will determine the depth of your relationship with him tomorrow. The fact that Craig and I can get up and Dave and Gina and, and even Anna and Rimmel with the way that they minister, do you know where that comes from? That came from years before of spending time in his presence. That comes from years before of reading his word, of spending time in, his, in a relationship with him, of understanding. When people come to me and they say, what do you think about this? I don't go to them, wait, I have to go get my Bible and read up and then I'll come back to you. What I say is, this is the God I know. This is the God, this is what my father says. This is what he believes. Why? Because I've spent years building that relationship. I got saved when I was 15 and a half. Best thing I ever did in my life. I was not raised in a Christian home. I turned up to church by myself and got saved. It's the best thing I've ever done. And everything I've done in that has been to build my relationship for today. And everything I'm doing today is about building my relationship for tomorrow. I preached a message a little while ago where I said, uh, one, you had to be intentional about your relationship with God. You do, because tomorrow matters. How your relationship with Him is matters. 
The other thing I preached about a little while ago too was I talked about generational Christianity. I talked about how what I do today determines if my children and grandchildren are going to be Christians. I'm going to determine if that godly line is going to flow. You see, you cannot write off your tomorrow. You cannot assume that it doesn't matter today. I'm going to skip church this week. I'm going to skip church next week. Does it matter? Really? Really? Because you know what? I don't skip church. Very rarely do I take time off from church. Even when I don't want to come, even when I'm frustrated with God, even when I feel angry with Him, I still come to church. Why? Because I've got to meet with Him. I've got to know Him face to face. Otherwise, what was the point? Does that make sense? So I just wanted to briefly share with you about the fact that this whole thing was not about finances. Sure, on the surface it was, but it's about making room for Jesus in your life. It's about trusting him with everything that you got. It's about giving of yourself. How can we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, if we're not, if we're not serving? Does that make sense? I don't mean to growl. That's not the thing, but I love you too much to let you just wander, wander around and think that, that everything's okay when it's not. But I want to pray. I just want to pray. So we just want to take a moment and bow your heads. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you brought us to this place. We thank you, God, that each and every person is not here by mistake, but is here by design. I thank you, God, that you have brought us together because we can help one another, because we can love on one another, we can support one another. I thank you, God, for the wonderful gifts and the callings that you've placed upon the different people in this church. I thank you, God, that they are there to help me grow. I thank you, God, that they are there to help teach me. I thank you, God, that each and every person in this place is open to your word, is open to your spirit's leading, is open to being able to be taught by one another. God, that even someone who's been saved for a few short weeks, God, can teach someone who's been saved for decades. And someone who's been saved for decades can teach someone who's been saved for a few short weeks. I thank you, God, that that is how your kingdom works. I thank you, God, that this is a family. It's not just a bunch of random people who turn up to church. I thank you, God, that there are bonds of love between one another. I thank you, God, that there are bonds of friendship that are growing between other people. I thank you, God, that this is Christian Family Center with Christ at the head, with Christ at the center. We thank you, God. I thank you, God, that those people who have been challenged in their finances to trust you will do so. I thank you, God, that we're going to hear testimonies of that. I thank you, God, that those who have been challenged to make room for Jesus will do so and that they will be blessed for that. I thank you, God, that as we align ourselves with your word and your principles, God, that the blessing will be upon us, Father, and that we'll be able to give out of that. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen.